Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the War Memorial Opera House and the San Francisco Ballet Meet the Artist program. Today is Friday, February 21st, 2014. For all you podcast listeners out there, I'd like to say welcome to you as well. And tonight, uh, you all have the good fortune to be listening to me in conversation with principal dancer Pascal Molat. Please welcome him. Good evening. My name is Cheryl Osola, and I'm a writer for San Francisco Ballet and editor-in-chief of Dance Studio Life magazine. And I'm here thanks to the San Francisco Ballet Center for Dance Education, which produces the Meet the Artist program and other adult education events. Uh, many of the Meet the Artist uh, interviews are available via, via podcast at sfballet.org. And if you go there, you'll find all kinds of cool stuff, like photos and videos, the company's blog, Open Studio 455, and the season's program notes. So this season is Pascal Molat's 11th as a principal dancer with San Francisco Ballet. He joined the company in 2002 as a soloist and was promoted to principal dancer one year later. He trained at Paris Opera Ballet School and danced in several companies in Europe before artistic director Helgi Thomason snatched him up. So if you've seen San Francisco Ballet perform very often, you've seen Pascal bring his dynamic, mercurial self to a wide range of roles. He makes a don't-mess-with-me Hilarion in Giselle, a winsome Sancho Panza in Don Quixote, a defiant Mercutio in Romeo and Juliet, a chilling monk in Raku, and a creepy Cache in Firebird. The list of repertory he dances fills several pages and includes work by choreographers such as William Forsyth, Hans von Manen, Mark Morris, George Balanchine, and many ballets by Helgi Thomason, Yuri Posikov, and Christopher Wilden. Among his guest appearances, he performed in the Tosca Project at American Conservatory Theater in 2010. So those of you just coming in, I'm chatting with principal dancer Pascal Malat. <laughs> So, Pascal, I'm going to start with my new favorite question that I've been asking everybody, which is, what is your very first memory of dance? Um, I mean, me dancing or watching? Okay, the, the, my first memory of dance, of course, is uh, for those who have maybe listened to me on a previous pod podcast, it's uh, Michael Jackson on TV, of course. <laughs> During the 80s, for the thriller, beat it, I mean, like, you name them. <laughs> and I was very influenced by um, Michael Jackson. That's how I really started to, uh, to move my body. Like, I, I want, just wanted to, um, to execute what he was doing, uh, on, because it was also like the first video clip at that time. So you had the chance to see a choreography, and I was just like learning it by heart and like uh, do it, do, doing it like in front of my mirror <laughs> with the hat and everything. <laughs> and how long was it after you saw that video before you got to actually take your first class? 
Um, about three months after that. It was uh, quite quick, but it was circumstances where uh, my godmother had a school and um, my mom was dancing. And I was here just to watch. I was like uh, more interesting by soccer at that time. But um, they had like a little party at the school and they put a record of Michael Jackson. And suddenly <laughs> my, my, my feet moved by themselves. And, and the director of the school uh, noticed that immediately and asked to my mom like if uh, I could join like the performance at the end of the year. So three months later I was like doing my first performance on Billie Jean. So from the, the bedroom mirror to the opera house stage, that's pretty good. So um, in programs two and three, which are running in repertory right now, you dance in Alexei Ratmansky's From Foreign Lands, Wayne McGregor's Borderlands, and Yuri Posikov's Firebird. So let's start with program two, since that's what you're all here to see tonight. Um, for Borderlands, um, this was the first time uh, Wayne McGregor actually set work on the company. This, is, this was created for San Francisco Ballet. The other two works in our repertory, uh, Eden, Eden, and Chroma, were created for other companies. Um, and even for Wayne, he worked in a way that wasn't really typical for him. He created a lot of short segments of movement, far more material than he needed, and then he kind of figured out what he was going to do rather late in the rehearsal process. So I wondered if you could just talk a little bit about that experience, what that was like for you being created on. <laughs> um, it was very special. So I don't know if he's working always like that with uh, uh, different companies all over the world, but for sure like to work with him is uh, at first like very physical. He's, um, he's I think looking always like for open-minded dancers and those who are not afraid to, uh, to sweat uh, three or four liters <laughs> uh, during rehearsal time because it's very intense. Uh, I remember having like um, most of the day just one hour with him, uh, depending on different sections that we were doing, but when we work uh, just an hour with him, that's enough for the day. It's uh, to show you how intense it is to work with him. It's like we we barely never stop moving during his rehearsal. He's always, um, of course, thinking, thinking about concepts, but also very instinctive. So he can show you the uh, 10,000 steps a minute, and you as a dancer trying to catch as much as you can. And uh, from that collaboration, because it's a really true collaboration, because he's also waiting for you to bring uh, thoughts and material or he's going to show you something you're going to try to reproduce it but while you are reproducing it's not going to be exactly the same and so you are inventing with him some part of the choreography because he, leave, he leaves you also a, a, a freedom where uh, what he's going to like or not is going to pick and it can be also very conceptual I remember like one of the exercises that he was doing with a dancer thinking about a square which is also like uh, the main uh, uh, topic with the ballet, with Borderlands. And uh, say, okay, just think that you are going in that direction of the, of the square with your shoulder, and like think that your arm is going in some, the opposite direction than your shoulder, and move around this, go inside the square, outside, so explore it, so it can be very conceptual. That's why I say 
He has always like a, a way to work where it can be very conceptual with a direction and also very in, instinct, with, with a lot of instinct, which create like a, a, a great synergy between the, the, thing, the thinking and also just the reaction of your body. Um, you touched on a couple of things that I, that I wanted to ask you a little bit more about, but, but I want to go back and just the whole idea of, of the way this came together late in the rehearsal process. All choreographers are, are coming in, or, or stagers if, if it's already created, um, coming in, uh, you know, in January, February to, to do the final rehearsals. Uh, but was, it, was there more last minute with this particular one, or was it pretty much the same thing? Um, what we create a few months ago before the performance, like you said, we had like, it's a 30 minute piece, and we learn about like an hour and an hour, 15 minutes of material, of actual step. And his work, like during the last run, when he was here to create the ballet, was like to do the editing, the cutting part. And I believe that he was uh, quite satisfied with uh, what he did and the dancers, because when he came back, it's not that we reworked everything, but we were trying, which is one of his most favorite things, is like to put us on the edge of the choreography. Um, what is important for him, it's like to, uh, what you're gonna see, stay very alive. So he really asked the dancer to not be comfortable with what we learn, with the step that we have, trying to make something just polished and very uh, uh, just nice to watch. He really wants you to have like some tension and intensity, which is going to push your boundaries. And he really wants to see that on stage too, that taking risk. Um, there is like really many different challenges in that piece, of course f physical, but um, he loves, you know, all the art, the design, the lighting, and I know like you'll see uh, Tita Limet tonight uh, dancing uh, the part that I do too, and the lighting with LED, with new technology and everything, uh, I remember being in the studio and say, ah, okay, I got that solo, it's like, I can push it and everything, and as soon as I arrived on stage with the lighting that we had, it was a completely new world and a new challenge. Because something that I could do easily in the, in the studio without the lighting was becoming really a challenge on stage. And he knew about that without like really telling me when we created that. And I remember coming to uh, Ricardo Bustamante, one of Ballet Master, and I say, well, I don't know, like, I feel on eggs, I don't know what I'm doing, and say, that's great, it's exactly what he wanted. So, <laughs> so I believe uh, uh, that uh, challenging the dancer in so many different ways is uh, very interesting for us. Yeah, I, I was really curious about that. Um, you know, he, he requires such an investment from all of you, uh, mentally as well as physically. And I wondered, how do you get there? What, how do you, you know, kind of go that extra layer of depth to get what he wants, personally? Already, his personality is so intense. So when, you, when he chooses you and you, you decide to go on a journey with him, uh, there is no compromise. So uh, 
you'll see his intensity in the studio. And so since you want to be part of the same journey, you have to like to uh, elevate your level to his dynamic, to his personality, to his craziness almost, you know, to, uh, to, to have this dialogue. Otherwise, it goes just from one side and what he really wants is like to share uh, that time in the studio uh, to actually enrich the, the two sides, not just only the dancer or the choreographer. If you're just joining us, I'm chatting with principal dancer Pascal Molat. So you, you've actually danced in all three of Wayne's uh, pieces that are in our repertory, and, and I wondered, um, you know, certainly you're, you're accustomed by now to this extreme form of physicality, um, but what for you is, you know, perhaps, uh, you know, most difficult and most rewarding? in his work in general? Not I mean, I, I did Eden Eden, uh, Chroma, and so Borderlands. And I will say certainly the first piece was the most challenging because of course when you uh, become to discover a choreographer and work with him, the first time you know you're, you're like very intense and the work by itself was so demanding we didn't, I mean, we could have seen like many different videos uh, of his choreography by different companies, but uh, when you start to work with a new choreographer, you have to relearn everything and you are like a subject where uh, your role is really to, uh, to give like everything you have, not knowing where you're going to go, more or less. And the first experience of Eden Eden was like, a, a little bit the same as the first time when I walk with uh, Billy Forsythe, where the intensity and like where you really had to reach beyond yourself. And uh, so Eden Eden was maybe the most challenging. The second chroma, we, were already have it, we had already a taste of it, so we knew what to expect. But the last piece, Borderlands, who has been crazy on us, because the thing is like either Eden Eden or um, uh, Chroma with a ballet who has been uh, choreographed for other companies. So we just had to learn. But like the, the process of Borderlands was exhausting. That was like the, most di the difference between those two. And having to remember what to leave out. <laughs> <laughs> so going in completely the opposite direction, uh, about as far from Borderlands as we can, we get to uh, from Foreign Lands by Alexa Romansky. Um, and in that, you dance the Italian, Spanish, and Hungarian sections. So you created those roles in this yes. ballet. And uh, I wondered what you could tell us just about the process of making this ballet. The, the funny how, it's funny how to see a choreographer are working. Um, Alexei Ratmansky um, has really his own vision, like what he wants. He really comes to the studio and knowing more or less what he wants, he's going to change, do many tries with many diverse uh, versions that he has in his head, certainly. But uh, knowing also that we have like just two or three weeks to really uh, create a ballet, which is very short compared to other companies who take way more time to create new works. Uh, Alexei. Uh, knows how we work here, so uh, he's always coming very prepared, have all this structure done, and he's just going also with the flow, trying like different version, and after choose one after uh, many tries. 
And it's also very physical. I mean, at least the part that I have to do are the one <laughs> we are going a little bit bombastic. But I'm glad that you chose me for the Italian and, Sp and Spanish, which is very Latin, so not very far from the French. <laughs> um, so you also dance uh, Alexei's uh, Shostakovich trilogy this season. You do uh, Symphony Number no. 9. And again, we've got a huge contrast here. Uh, Helgi Thomason actually described from foreign lands as a sorbet, which I thought was a, a really great description. Um, and Symphony Number no. 9 is quite dark. There's uh, undertones of fear to it. And it it's hard to believe in, in a way that it came from the same choreographer. So I wondered if you could just talk a little bit about what, aside from style and tone, do you, do you see sort of any uniformity uh, in Alexei's work? Uh, completely in the step that he's, he's using. It's a, uh, the bass is very classical. And he, he distorts that like into neoclassical, but even like beyond that, and uh, it's, it, I think for a choreographer, it's very interesting to do many different works with a different uh, disparity, I mean like very eclectic. And I think it's very clever for him, even if I believe like there is choreographically a signature in the step that he used, because like as a dancer, I can tell like when I'm doing Alexei's work, I can tell that my ties are always very tired because it's kind of very grounded. It takes the force from the hearse, really, and so you have to use a lot of plies, and, and you find that in many of these ballets where it doesn't seem like that, but it asks always like a lot of power. It's also really dense choreography in general. You're doing a whole lot within a beat, right? Oh, yes, yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, all, so moving to program three then, um, you danced the role of Kashe in Firebird, and that's a, that's a role that was created on you here. Uh, Yuri Pasakov created a Firebird for Oregon Ballet Theater and then uh, re-envisioned it here. So you were part of that, and uh, what, what was that like? It's always a great pleasure to work with Yuri. Yuri is uh, a choreographer, like really, he'll, he'll, always great vision, great ideas, and always speaking from his heart. So he, he cannot be wrong, and that's why also the audience, I believe, love the work of Yuri. And um, when he approached me, I said, yeah, I want you to be the monster and caché. So just the, the, the way he spoke to me about, about like the monster, I can like already have a vision in my head because He's, he's explaining, but he's also like uh, with his gestural, like he loves like to demonstrate. And so as soon as you get like two or three pictures in <laughs> of him, you know which path you need to take. And so it's always a pleasure to uh, collaborate with uh, Yuri. In, in this ballet, there's, there's humor, and some of it is, is pretty broad. I mean, it's almost cartoon-like in places. Is there a danger of going overboard and having it be too broad? And how oh. do you tread that line? Oh, yes, yes, because it can be on the edge, and it doesn't need to become ridiculous either. Even if, like, Caché, the monster, is he, scary, but he has also, like, a, a funny way, but 
like I said, boy, it's a Russian tale. It's a tale, you know. So uh, you can do whatever you want with it, but in somehow, like, if you become grotesque, suddenly it doesn't have uh, any more effect for the story. So you you need to have like, a, you know, a, um, how do you say that? Like a good balance, I will say, between being scary and at the same time like amuse people, you know. And it's a fine line to find, but when you, when you get it, I think you get the most out of the, the, the role of Caché. And, and can you sort of feel that yourself, or do you rely on Yuri to tell you when to maybe rein it in a bit? <laughs> um, when I'm on stage and performing it, you know, it's like I really envision like the, what I thought about the role with, with Yuri. So when I'm out there and execute the, the choreography, I, I don't even think about it. I really try to be the, that guy. <laughs> well, you know, whenever there's a prop involved, there's always the risk of prop malfunctions. And uh, this ballet, you've got a gigantic, very slippery looking egg, and you've got these ginormous fingernails. Yes. So um, is it hard? Uh, not, not too hard because like there is um, like you can put like some resin on your gloves and stuff like that you know to help you but the, the egg which is also uh, uh, for Caché the, the, the symbol of his life because his soul is inside the egg so he that's what he had the most precious it's him the egg is, is himself so he's like very affectionate and you know it's what it makes like in the tale that's this egg represents also the immortality of Caché. And uh, of course, like if it breaks or, or anything else, that's the end. So um, the manipulation goes like really at the beginning. And after we don't have to deal too much with it, which is great, <laughs> then we have to dance. So um, it wasn't like the, the big issue. The egg wasn't the big issue, even if you have to be careful because it's very... Uh, easy to drop it, even if at one point in the choreography I have like to uh, to make you believe that I'm that suddenly is dropping and like oh, because this is life, so he needs really to be careful with it. Good, I'm glad it's not as slippery as it looks. <laughs> so I, I I wonder just in general, not speaking about any particular ballet, um, but is there kind of a transition point for you as as a performer? Um, in moving from rehearsing to performance where you sort of know you've reached it. You've, there's this like internal set point. Or is everything just always a work in progress and it just so happens that you have to go out there and dance the role anyway? Oh, the, I think the work is always in progress. As soon as I believe you say to yourself, oh, I'm good with what I'm doing, uh, actually you are just going uh, back. <laughs> you know, so... Um, that's what is interesting, like I've been here for 12 years and so some different ballet are coming back and for me, when I have to, to dance them again, it's very interesting the approach that I have of knowing what I did and know what I want to add or uh, retrieve or... So it's, like I said, it's a, always a work in progress because I am changing as a human uh, person and as a dancer, and so there is like things that maybe I didn't think about like five years ago that I'm thinking about it now. And so I want to 
to add. So like that, it's fresh for me. It's like it's new, but also uh, for the audience. Great. I am going to open this up for questions from all of you. Um, we do have limited time, so I ask that it's one per person, and please keep them brief. So raise your hand. Yes. In, in, in Dancing Caché, did you ever think about Thriller? Did that come to mind? No. <laughs> but uh, the funny thing is, it's true, like seeing like all my monster behind me, like, like, yeah, you can think about Thriller at one point, especially if you are doing the choreography. <laughs> How do you work out besides taking daily class? Depending on the program that I'm going to do, um, I try also to prepare myself uh, at active care, where it's just like some few exercises that um, you do, like, like you, you aim like certain part of your body where you know you can have a weakness and try to make uh, that weakness disappear or make sure like you are strong enough to to dance any ballet. So uh, it happens like maybe once a week, so once every two weeks that I'm going over there, and but also doing my own little exercise that I know that it's working for me. How different or similar was your training and dancing in Europe compared to performing here? I believe that the training is not very different because a fifth position will always be a fifth position. After, it's more a question of style. Um, in Paris Opera, they have their own style in, in Bolshoi or in New York with Balanchine where you had like choreographer or an history who uh, uh, put forward like a style, either like the, the training by itself, because I think the training is very international nowadays. And you see a lot of exchange, like European coming here and vice versa. And I believe like sharing like different experience anyway makes you more complete as a dancer. Uh, the question is, I, I didn't quite catch where in Montreal? Uh, Le Grand Ballet Canadien, yeah. How different is that? I, I mean, the difference between the companies, uh, I won't say it's not the dancers, because the dancer will always give like their best. It's more after about the repertoire that the company uh, will give you. So um, we have the chance here to have like eight different programs. I don't believe like the Les Grands Ballets Canadiens doesn't have as much as we do. 
<laughs> I think we have time for one quick one, sir. When you're developing a character, is it tempting to use the president of France as a motivation? It depends what kind of character you have to play, but uh, actually it's far from that for me. <laughs> we are out of time. I'd like to thank you all very much for being here tonight. Thank you, Pascal, and Pleasure. enjoy the performance.